Hello, you're very welcome to our new episode of Two Hands on a Hero podcast. Uh, we took a little uh, couple of weeks off there, just between one thing and another. And um, TJ, TJ had a bit of a, an L up on the L I there. So, how are you doing, TJ? Yeah, no, all good now. Thanks, Robbie. Yeah, it was um, glad to have it over. I was waiting a while for it, so it's just patience now to see. Uh, I won't bore yourself or the listeners with the. Uh, the the history of it but um i know hopefully the next couple of weeks i'll be able to find out if the, the operation was successful now yeah cool uh super stuff uh any other crack or just been busy way yeah kind of it would you believe it was kind of a manic week i won't lie to you um, between the operation and um it's it's a good complaint because things are starting to come back a bit um busy with mockery and that and um yeah, starting back work on Monday, so I'm delighted with that now. So, uh, yeah, all good and yourself? Ah, yeah, just kind of busy with clients and uh, all a few bits and running around and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, good to be good to be back chatting to you again, uh, TJ on on the on the podcast. Um, so we'll kick on with our first uh, topic, which is the um, Kilkenny hurling final. So it's a big one. Uh, it's the green and white versus the white and green, or the whatever way you want to put it, it's Ballyhale versus O'Loughlin's. Um How do you see that one going? Is it going to be um, another one for Ballyhale, do you think? Yeah, I've I, been honest, no disrespect to O'Loughlin Gales, but I think Ballyhale are just the kingpins at the moment. Um, they, they, it, it, it must be really frustrating for senior teams because if you get Ballyhale early in the championship, you have a great chance against them. I mean, Bennis Bridge um, defeated them and Ballyhill scored six goals in the first round of the championship on the same day. But yet when it came to the business end, Ballyhill proved too strong for a really decent Bennis Bridge side that had a, I mean, a high profile um, management team as well with uh, Willie Marr, Tipperary and Dan Shanahan of Watford. Um, but um. Yeah, I mean, you can't say it's going to be a cakewalk for Ballyhale, but I just, it's just that time, time of the year for Ballyhale. They're, they're able to peak at the right time. And um, Andy Comfort has O'Loughlin Gales motoring really well. Um, and, but I just think it might be a step too far for him. And I fancy Ballyhale to, get to win on Sunday and to go further on in the championship to do the three in a row, I think, and all earn championship titles. Yeah, it's now, it's never been done. I think teams have only in hurling anyway, it's only there's only been two in a row. Um and then last year obviously there was no uh no provincial championship and then obviously no all, all Ireland series. So it would be it would be really great for Kilkenny GA, Kilkenny Hurling if they were to go on and do it and um you know, they definitely have the players there to do it, and you know they're looking they're looking really well. Uh, I was chatting to someone during the week there, and they were kind of saying Ballyhale look like they're going to do it again. Um, but obviously, it comes down to on the day, and you, know, you wouldn't want to kind of discount O'Loughlin's too much either. Either you know the way, and as well, if it's you know if it's a, if it's a wet ball and a wet day, you know that might play into O'Loughlin's favour. I don't know what the weather is for the weekend, but um, you know that could have a big factor in, in the game there. Um, yeah, cool. Is there any other um, club championship games you want to chat about or any intermediate round? Uh, no, the intermediate final will be next week. Um, and it's, sorry, it's St. Lacton's uh, Freshford against um, Glenmore. And Glenmore kind of, I fancied them from earlier on. Now that final will take place next weekend, like I was saying, but I kind of fancy Glenmore from earlier on. They... Uh, defeated Thomastown last weekend. Henry Shefflin, of course, was over the Thomastown side. And um, Thomastown would have been bitterly disappointed there. They are other club finals taking place around the co- uh, country, but uh, with the high profile of the game on Sunday, Ballyhill, O'Loughlin Gales, former, both former All-Ireland champions as well, I said I previewed. One thing, actually, uh, when you were saying if Ballyhale are able to progress on or whoever progresses on is the form that Colin Finley has shown for Ballyhale this year. Um, I think if I was possibly Brian Cody, I'd be having a chat with Colin Finley and calling him back in to see if he 
be able to come back after the year's exodus because he's in tremendous form and he'd definitely be able to offer something to the Kilkenny senior team next year. Is there a case that maybe, you know, within the county players when they, they're playing both, you know, for the club and the county that maybe sometimes if they were to drop one of them that they actually kind of seem to excel better? Like, would it be would it be uncommon for a player to leave the inter-county setup and have like a bounce uh, at the club level then the next year? Yeah, no, that's that's very true. I mean, sometimes you'd have, I mean, they are they are examples. Say, if you look at, say, Karen Donaghy at Kerry, I know he took a year away from his work to focus on inter-county at the time. So you might wonder why I'm discussing this. Like, any any inter-county player are not just, I mean, they're not just only inter-county players, they have the club as well. So that means that they could be gone five, six nights a week or even longer. And then they, I mean, I'm not saying there won't be special diets with club teams, they are, but I mean, the the focus on, say, nutrition and all of that would be far lot greater with inter-county sides. So there would be a lot of pressure taken away from that where you could have a player that's gone like I was saying, five, six nights a week to be only gone two, three nights a week. So that gives them a lot, an awful lot more time for, say, rehabilitation or um, that after games and that. Plus, I mean, the club championship would be a shorter format compared to the inter-county season as well. So that could be a factor as well. But I mean, they would be, I, I know Con Finley a long, long time now and they would have been critics of the way he played, but I mean, there's an awful lot of work that Colin used to do on the field that wouldn't be seen. Say if you're watching from the television, if you're at the game itself, you'd be able to see the runs that he'd be doing or the work he'd be doing off the ball. Um, so I think that's where with the form he's in, he definitely, definitely would have something to offer to Kilkenny next year because they are lacking that bit of a goal scoring threat. I know they, they were able to get important goals at times, but they're not scoring as freely as they were. Um, if you take, for example, the Leinster final last year uh, with Richie Hogan coming on as the sub, getting the goals, that's that's the thing. You need the experienced players there. And they wore a lot of question marks over why did Colin, Colin Finley take the sabbatical away? Because it's very unusual to have a player saying they're early 30s or late 20s, early 30s taking a step away because the inter-county, you, you'd be very lucky to get maybe to 34, 35 at the, on the inter-county scene. And then if you take a break away as well, they are a risk. Will you be able to break into the first team then again after? But honestly, if he came back, I think he would be almost certainly guaranteed his place. There's uh, actually just talking about this has reminded me about a thing I seen during the week where there was this uh, Sligo intercounty player, um, Red Oak Murphy. He opts out of the 2022 season uh, basically because um, he doesn't really think, you know, putting his time into the intercounty scene is going to be worth any sort of reward. Like they kind of trained or whatever last year and he only got one game uh, in, in the championship or whatever. So he's going to focus on his club and DCU and. You know, talking about Colin Fellney and another intercounty players that maybe stepped away from the intercounty scene, you know, a bit early. Is there a kind of, is there a change coming where players are, you know, they're because because players aren't paid or whatever. There's no like financial incentive for them to be more worried about their careers and you know all this other sort of stuff than actually playing intercounty. So you could could you see more and more players actually? just opting out and just, you know, doing the club stuff that they love or whatever and, um, you know, trying to focus on their careers and stuff. Do you think it could lead to maybe, if a lot of, if a lot of players step away, maybe potentially further down the line, them getting paid or something? Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, this would be the big concern after we, we had discussions about the plan, or sorry, the proposal B and C and A and all of that. I mean, if you take, for say, example, the weaker counties where they potentially have one kind of winnable game in the championship or a game that they go in and feel that they have a great chance and then they come up against, say, if you take the example of Sligo, 
if they were, say, drew, drew against London or Leitrim or that, they, you would say they'd, they would fancy their chances of going in and getting a result. But then the danger is that they will come up against the big two in the province, Galway or Mayo. And I mean, from being involved with inter-county sides and club sides and being involved with both at the same time, I mean, it's it's very hard on management, not to mention players, because the players are the ones that have to put in all the effort. I mean, put in a really hard slog in a training session and then go into work the next day. And if you have a situation where you're doing that and you're sacrificing your social life and then maybe your personal life away from that as well, if if a player had young kids or they were, say, in a relationship or that, they would be sacrifices that would have to be made because, I mean, they can't go off, take a holiday during the summer as freely as others because you don't know what way the championship's going to go. When the inter-county season's over, you have the club season. So basically, players have no out unless you're involved with a kind of an all-earned winning side or your team goes out of the championship early and the club championship is maybe a gap of a couple of weeks, which isn't always the case. So unless the GA look at some sort of incentive like a Champions League format or whatever it is, within the next couple of years, you are going to have players that are going to say, here, this isn't worth it. This really isn't worth it. Um, they would be kind of a different thing if you look at, say, former Kilkenny players because of the success that they would have had over the years. So they say, well, what, mo- what more can I really do or achieve in the game? If you have, say, multiple All-Stars or multiple All-Irelands, they can say, here, I'm after giving all I can give and then I maybe focus on the club or get into coaching or whatever. But if you have, say, teams from weaker counties, they put in the same effort as the teams that are winning all Ireland's, but they may not have the resources behind them. And it'd be also very hard if you're looking at it for from a county board perspective as well. If you are only going out and you're only going to have a maximum of two games in the championship, how willing would sponsors be if you compare that, say, to Dublin, Mayo, Kerry or someone like that, that could have four or five games along the line as well. So they are something the GA are going to have to do to introduce more games for brand exposure for sponsors, but also to keep players willing to play as well, because the commitment is unreal from them, especially without a financial incentive. And I can't see any payment being made other than say basic expenses being made because you look at the proposal B you had the traditionalists that voted against it or they voted for self-interest possibly some but then you have a situation where there's no incentive there for players and it could be a situation that it's only going to get worse than better Robbie yeah, probably. Definitely needs to be uh, looked at, as you said. Um, I know I'm kind of going off on a few tangents here, uh, <laughs> but uh, just, just one uh, one more one on the GA before we move on to um, picks of the week there. Obviously, massive news, and it's old news now, is uh, King Henry. He's uh, deciding to, after obviously Tom Center are knocked out now, so he's going to be going uh, up to Galway. He's going to be uh, on the road up and down to Galway. Um how do you feel? How do you feel, TJ? Are you a bit traumatized? Um, disappointed. I won't lie. Disappointed. Um, I would have loved to see him getting into the Kilkenny job. Um, and that's no disrespect to Brian Cody or anything. Uh, but I would have liked and see him. You never want to see one of your great players going to a rival, and especially when they're going to clash in the Leinster Championship next year. And, um. Like the way it is, he had absolute tremendous success with Ballyhale, went in with Thomastown this year, um, had a good run with Thomastown, even though it ended disappointed, uh, disappointingly for them last week. But like the way it is, uh, it, I, I heard an interview by um, there's a journalist for the Irish Examiner, PM O'Sullivan. He's a Kilkenny man as well uh, from Ballyhale. And he was saying winners 
make kind of I won't say rash decisions, but they make decisive decisions. And Henry Shefflin is one of the most successful, greatest hurlers that possibly ever been. And I mean, an opportunity like that arises, he will want to go and prove himself. And um, it can't be a situation like you don't know how long he would have had to wait to possibly get to Kilkenny job. And I think Only that's, Brian Cody knows that, I suppose. Exactly. And I think that's where Henry Shefflin was right to take the opportunity to go there. Um, it's, it's, it's kind of a catch-22 because you want Henry to do well, but you don't want him to do well against Kilkenny kind of way. Um, yeah, yeah. So it's a situation, there will be a lot of pressure there on Henry going up there, and I genuinely hope he does well. But I don't... Exactly. I don't want to see him... <laughs> like, the danger, and I don't think his reputation will ever be ever discarded in Kilkenny because he's an absolute legend and a legend all around Ireland. But you wouldn't want to see his chances of eventually securing the Kilkenny gig being damaged by going to Galway. I can't see it happening because he's a very shrewd man. Um, he he develops his style. He took over a very successful Ballyhale team when people were saying maybe they're kind of slowing down a bit and he got two in a row with him, uh, county championships and also all earned titles as well as manager. So, yeah, he had he had no other choice. I mean, he can't be when an opportunity like that arises, you have to take it. And I wish him the very best of luck. And um, I honestly hope he does well, but not at the sake of Kilkenny. <laughs> yeah. So if you got to the final against somebody else, you probably or maybe Galway would be your second team after Kilkenny this year, maybe. Oh well, yeah, obviously, 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 maybe third after Leash because I know you've got oh, Leash yeah. connection. Yeah, I know it'd be <laughs> Kilkenny Leash in the hurling, but yeah, I have relations in Galway, and um, I was chatting to him shortly after Henry was appointed, and they were really, they were really excited about the prospect. And if you look at the, uh, I don't know if you saw Eddie O'Sullivan was involved in the selection committee, and Bernard no, Don. Uh, Bernard Dunn, a uh, former world championship boxer, he um, stepped away because he's good friends with um, Davy Fitzgerald, but he would have been involved with. So Galway really took this seriously. So I I honestly hope he does well, but I say it again, not at sake of Kilkenny. <laughs> and just in, in one word, because we're, we're kind of moving on this time, all right, Um could he talk Joe Canning back into playing next year? Just say yes or no. No. Okay. Fair enough. Okay, so we'll go on to our picks of the week. So what are your uh, picks of the week, Keith? Yeah, there are two ones. Um, I went through a phase of watching documentaries on YouTube and there's one um, called Extreme A&E. Now, it may not be for everyone, as the title says, it's on about... Uh, accident and emergency departments around the world um, it's a doctor, Dr. Kevin Fong, he goes around and he was looking at how um, hospitals on sometimes limited budgets were able to decrease the, uh, the death rate within the accident and emergency department and methods that they were using they went to say the Bronx in New York where they would be um, a real kind of poor demic or poor it'd be a real poor area so health outcomes may not be the greatest but the way they were able to um the, the way they were able to turn it around and get the uh, right outcomes for their patients and he also went to south africa as well where they had a very low number of senior consultants so it was junior doctors went in so it's really interesting if uh, the listeners or yourself had an interest in it. Uh, another one is an audio book that I'm listening to at the moment. It's from Virgin Media uh, news uh, news presenter Richard Chambers. It's called State of Emergency, and it's about the uh, COVID crisis in Ireland. It goes through different aspects of it, from say Tony Houlihan to the government 
to doctors and nurses in the hospitals and also the few of um, families of patients that unfortunately died of the virus. So um, it's definitely worth to read or listen, listen to. It's on Audible, but you can get a hard copy of the book as well. And I definitely recommend listening to it. If there were one thing I would say about it, possibly it was released a bit too early because we're not completely out of the pandemic yet, unfortunately, but um, maybe he might do a follow-up to it, but it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah, sounds good. Yeah, we definitely uh, don't seem to be out of woods with the, with, the, with the pandemic anyway in this country. Um, cool. So just for my picks of the week, uh, one is like a musical one. Uh, one that I was recommended to listen to by uh, a good friend, Noah, from uh, Tennessee. Um, it's St. Paul and the Broken Bones. And it is just, um, you know, musical masterclass, really, you know, just kind of, or it's a real kind of press play sort of uh, music, you know, you just kind of, just kind of total vibe to it really. It's um, okay. yeah, it's really good. Um, yes. It's a good, a good recommendation from him. Um, and then just another one, a little bit closer to home. Uh, so from far away to close to home is uh, my, my neighbor, um, Liz Shortall. She's, um, she released a book there earlier this year called, um, what was it called? The Lotus and the Tiger, and it was um, you know a very serious book, um, like a fictional account, but kind of mixes in some of her own uh, real life uh, story as well. Um, she's actually releasing a, a children's book actually, and it's out this weekend. Um, I think it's going to be out in you know all good all good bookstores and maybe some bad ones as well. It's called Joy's Playground. Oh, cool. um, so yeah, so so another. Uh, Another Stony Ford person, I suppose. So. <laughs> um, yeah, but she's she's actually going to be on Dermot and Dave next week. She's going to be on next Wednesday at half nine. So if you want, if you want to, you know, let Liz Liz kind of shoot from the hip and uh, hear her chat about it, uh, and she'll explain. So you, you just check it out uh, next Wednesday. So and also, you know, if you're in the market for a children's book uh, this Christmas or whatever, then maybe check out. Uh, Joy's Playground and buy, buy Irish and all that so oh, definitely and support local as well I know hopefully we might be able to get Liz on sometime as well to chat about them yeah. be, especially yeah, be good. especially after what we're coming through it'd be great to support local as well especially Irish author, authors as well yeah and like I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of uh, Ryan Turbidy but anytime we to do the, the toy show or whatever he's always really insistent on you know buying Irish and that sort of stuff so you know, and it's it's important, you know, because we're like a small little island and that sort of thing. So uh, it's good to, to keep the money flowing around the country. So perfect. So we're going to move back to some sports. We're going to talk some uh, Premier League teams. So what are the uh, what are your standout fixtures for from the weekend there? Well, obviously yeah. it's the big one, uh, the, the Manchester Derby. But uh, any other any other ones apart from that before we come to that one? Um, yeah, I won't lie to you. I was caught off guard there. I had him and I forgot to bring him back up again. Uh, I think well, one... I'll go through there if you want. There's Manchester City and United. It's the early kickoff tomorrow. So that's going to be, you know, the early kickoff on Saturday is usually uh, quite a good one. And then Everton Spurs, you got, uh, we're going to talk about in a minute, Conte going to Spurs. That should be a good game. Leeds and Leicester, that could be a bit of a, a bit of a thriller. Both sides like to attack and score goals. And then... You've got Inform West Ham um, hosting Liverpool uh, on Sunday afternoon as well. So some tasty games in there. So um, do you want to go straight into the Manchester Derby there? Yeah, I know. Sorry, I just have them there. I had them open on my phone and they went on me. Uh, Another important game there, Robbie, and it'd be really interesting. We'll be discussing it in a minute as well as Brighton and Newcastle tomorrow evening um, because... Um, actually, I leave that for the moment because we be, as I was saying, we be discussing it. Uh, we go to the Manchester Derby. Um, this could be, in other words, a winner takes all, if that makes sense. Because Man City or Man City, I mean, uh, Guardiola. There, there's sorry, there are no question about uh, Man City. The big question to be about uh, Manchester United. What way will they react? I mean. They were playing Atlanta during the week and it was two Ronaldo goals. Uh, drew the game firm and they just don't seem to be any luck for Solskjaer at the moment. And 
this could be maybe the final the final hurrah if uh, Manchester United don't get a win here. I mean, if you look at it, it's it's one of the biggest rivalries around. Um, and I really fear for Manchester United going into that game. I won't lie to you. Yeah, it should be. Um, it could, like... Ole under pressure. Uh, I know the Liverpool fans were, were chanting uh, Ole at the wheel uh, in the last game or whatever, so they're happy enough yeah. for Ole to stay there. But, um, you know, sometimes when, when Ole's back to, his back is to the wall, he, that's when he uh, actually turns around and delivers really, really good results. Uh, I know Spurs aren't in great shape. Obviously, they lost their manager. But, um, you know, you wouldn't rule out the possibility to, of them uh, turning over City. They've got a reasonable record against City in the last few few seasons, uh, getting some wins and stuff in there. So, um, yeah, that could be it. Could be a humdinger, or like you know, sometimes with the Premier League, you know, when you build it up, it just it turns into a nil-all draw. You know the way. So, yeah, could go could go either way really. Um, so yeah, we'll kind of move on to. We kind of missed a bit of Newcastle taking over, uh, being taken over uh, by big big money. So. Are Newcastle just going to blow everyone away in the next few years, or what? Uh, I can see him being the new Man City. Um, they did have a great track record. They did have a great track record. Um, they did have a great track record in the mid nineties. Um, who was over him? Was it Joe Kinnear? Am I or am I completely horse in here? Joe Kinnear, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Joe Kinnear. Um, uh, there was a friend of mine was a fierce Newcastle. Uh, fan a neighbor of mine and uh, like they do have a great track record but I mean their position in the table at the moment they might have to do it from the championship they are rumor Eddie Howe um, is going to take over their question marks over it the Newcastle some Newcastle fans are excited by it others aren't Um. I mean, I think it'd be very unfair to Eddie Howe because if you look at what he done with Bournemouth, I think bringing them from, what was it, League 2 right up to the Premiership. And now I know they did get relegated, but um, yeah, I mean, you won't see you won't see anything, I say, for a year. Now, it could be completely wrong if they're able to turn the season around, stay like they're second from bottom at the moment. If they get a poor result the weekend, um, like they could be bottom. They really could be bottom. If Norwich get a win, it'd be kind of a bit unlikely, but uh, stranger things has happened. But I mean, will Newcastle be able to attract big names if they're playing their trade in the championship next year? I can't see it. So it'd be a situation where they'd have to maybe unless they turn the season around like I was saying get a couple of wins get maybe up to say 14 15th in the table or something like that uh or maybe even a bit further but um yeah I say it's a long year project but I say they definitely will be competing within the next short term five five year anyway um they could do maybe a Leicester City on it come up from the championship and start competing then but you couldn't imagine any big names going to him if they're um you can't see any big names coming to him in January anyway. I say it'd be about a year or two and then be competing in maybe three to five years. Could they get like a few players on loan maybe or there could be uh you know clauses built into the into the contract stash, you know like a big player could go to them. But if they get relegated, then they just go back to the other club, or there's like a there's like a clause where they can just leave at the end of the season if they get relegated or something like that. Or, but you know, having said that, with City, it took like a few years. You now City were further down, and were able to kind of build up a base here. But maybe even kind of getting relegated might be a good thing. You might be able to uh, bring in a certain type of player or whatever. Um, you know, but it didn't happen overnight for City. They just they threw a lot of money at City, and it didn't work out straight away. Um, so yeah, like it's it's hard to know. It doesn't always guarantee success, and there's so many other really good players at all at so many other good clubs. You know, it could it could potentially mean that you know we've already seen like a explosion in transfer fees. You could see an, an even bigger one uh, where like you mightn't get you know <laughs> you mightn't get even an average player for you know less than fifty million. What do you think? I 
Jen, I I can't see him really making it. Like the biggest issue at the moment is there's no real, what would you say, top flight, high profile players kind of moving around. I mean, you look at Messi leaving Barcelona, but now you see Messi wanting to go back to Barcelona. I saw an article during the week. Um, Ronaldo going to Manchester United, yeah, but for, say, a project that wouldn't be really good business. Um, unless you look at, say, um, what's his name, Marcus Roos, or uh, what's his name, R-E-U-S, I'm trying to think of the proper name to pronounce it, um, Rice, Rice, sorry, uh, with is with Borussia Dortmund, is it? Unless someone like that, but I mean, you can't see him making signings like that if they if they do get relegated. Now, if they don't get relegated, that's a different story. That really is. Um, would the likes of Coutinho that was with Liverpool? Um, he's kind of out of favour, looking to get back. Get away from, um, is it sorry? Geez, the brain isn't working. Uh, is he with Barcelona at the moment? Um, unless um, I think it could be, or maybe loaned out. I'm not 100% sure. Um, I'm not 100%. I know they were question marks whether Liverpool had signed him back. Um, it's it, it, it like the biggest stage, unless would they go for the likes of Harry Kane? Well. Yeah, I suppose like there's no there's no real no real option off the table for them really. It, it always depends if they might have to start aim a bit lower, maybe, you know the way? Just yeah. build like a squad of guys, you know, rather than like go for the they might get one marquee guy maybe, but um or maybe even tempt some guys maybe who are playing in you know the Chinese league, you know, like maybe you no know, likes of Oscar used to play for, for Chelsea. Uh he'd be still yeah. reasonable enough. Like they might you know, I think they'll have to kind of aim a little bit lower first. Because yeah. a lot of the good other yeah. guys are kind of wrapped up, and then eventually, you know, like Pogba, you know, could be going on a, is probably going to go on a free at the end of the season, which you know is most is like is the most basket case scenario of like you had a player in academy, you let him go for for zero, buy him back for whatever hundred million, and then let him go for free again. It's just the stupid. Well, I don't know what kind of business they're running at Manchester United, but I like you could Pogba could end up going maybe on a free and get a, a boatload of cash as well at the end of the season either. Yeah, like the danger with Pogba be a bit like Balotelli the time he went to Liverpool. I think Liverpool paid what was it around eighteen million or something like that. It was kind of low enough money, but it didn't work out as a success firm. Um, like. The way Pogba is playing for Manchester United at the moment, if I was going in as Newcastle boss, I, I'm not disagreeing with you, Robbie. I mean, it could be a way to move and it could be a great move for Pogba. Maybe maybe it's a situation that Pogba is um, frustrated with the way the situation is with Manchester United at the moment. But I just... I think... Especially when you're kind of at a low ebb and you're facing relegation, you have new owners coming in, fans are excited about that, but still the results. And then when there's a question mark about who's going to go in to take over Newcastle, I know Conte was linked to it, um, and then Eddie Howe was linked to it, and then he withdrew his name, and now he's been linked again to it. But when you have fans and that not really happy with like I think what Newcastle have to do is settle settle on a manager. It'd be a, and I think that's why Eddie Howe would be a right good appointment for him because he's young, he's enthusiastic, he's able to rebuild teams. I mean, like I was saying, not to repeat, but he brought Bournemouth from League Two right up to the Premiership. And I think it's someone like that, someone that's going to go in and kind of make it a long-term project. And once results start coming then, you could possibly maybe see the likes of Brendan Rodgers or someone like that in a couple of years going in as Newcastle manager and then to be able to get the real kind of Rose Rice appointments. Um, but it's kind of a big gamble. I mean, the money would be there, but if they're not able to utilise it properly or they, the players oh. aren't available there to bring in, and yeah, I I definitely still be thinking that it could be 
three to five years before they they really compete because Man City are only going to get stronger if uh, Manchester United get rid of Ole. They're going to get a bit of a rebound. Um, you have Chelsea coming back as a real force top of the table at the moment. Um, Arsenal seem to be coming into a bit of decent enough form. So to be able to get over the likes of the top six, or sorry, the top four like that is going to be a big job. So that's why I think it'd be a long-term project. And then you could see a situation of young players coming up Um Maybe I hate saying it, for, but um, oh, actually I leave it because I forget the player's name, Robbie. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, no worries. Uh, it's just a quick word on uh, Conte going to Spurs. Um, I don't know if you've seen during the week, but uh, Conte was announced on the Spurs uh, Instagram or whatever, and they kind of they had it in Spanish, uh, the, the words or whatever, when he's Italian. And then whoever was whoever was in charge of uh, Conte's um, Instagram put up like an Arsenal chant in the background with like him being appointed the Spurs manager. So there's definitely someone like taking the piss there. And then you know there's other like Spurs fans saying Spurs are back, and you have to really ask the question: back to where? Yeah, no, I mean, they they had a result last night, 3-2 win. I mean, they're ninth in the table at the moment. Harry Kane's fall. Conference league, though, come on. I know, I know, I'd, I'd agree. <laughs> but still, like, I mean, with the results they're after having, and I mean, that's why I wouldn't read too much into the Manchester United result last weekend, not to disappoint Manchester United fans, but I think they realised themselves that Spurs are at a really, really low ebb. Um, Things similar to Newcastle, it's going to be a slow progress there for Spurs to really get back. Um, Like, it it isn't too late. Like, if you look at it, Man City are third in the table, 20 points. Tottenham are only five points behind. So, but I think the big issue is Conte is going to have to iron out the Harry Kane situation. Um, if Harry Kane is happy to stay with Spurs with the likes of Conte in charge, that'd be a big, big issue for him. But if if Harry Kane isn't going to play ball, in other words, there's going to be real issue there because no way will the same money be on the table for Harry Kane as they were from Man City this year. So, yeah, so yeah, there's lots of kind of things to tire out there, I suppose, um, for Conte, exactly. you know. But um, exactly, cool. We'll we'll crack on there. So uh, I know we're gonna we're gonna talk about a subject that's pretty close to your heart that I don't really have a clue about. But uh, there's a, a new ABBA album coming out, and there's a Kilkenny connection. So can you fill me in on all that? Yeah, after what over forty years, Abba are after releasing a new album and they're having a stage show over in London next year. It's a hologram a concert and they're going to be playing the classics and also some of the new music. If anyone's listening that used to listening listen to me on the radio, they know I am a big ABBA fan. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited about that. But they have a song on their Voyage album called When You Dance With Me. And the first line of the song is I can remember when you left Kilkenny. So oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's uh it, that's a really, really big one. Not only is Alba Abba releasing a new album, but they also a mention of Kilkenny. Now I don't know. If that's Kilkenny, Kilkenny, if that makes sense, but we're going to claim yeah. it anyway. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit like, do you know the film, The Christmas Chronicles that came out on Netflix a couple of years ago? There's yeah. a real scene in that that has Kilkenny in it as well. So Kilkenny are really going places like so. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be, you be listening to the, the new Abba with it intently. Will you kind of... Uh... You know, get, get into a quiet room and just, you know, chill out and listen to the album or what? Yeah, no, I just think Bourne and Benny, the the two writers and producers of ABBA and also singers as well, I think they're just phenomenal uh, lyricists. And I mean, they're just a great band. And 
they kind of span the generations. I mean, no matter what wedding or event you're at, um, there's going to be Abba played. So it just shows the connections that's there uh, throughout um, the decades. Like, And they're saying that this may be their last album. They're not ruling out a new one or releasing another one. But um, it's kind of, I wouldn't have remembered them when they were, at their prime first back the late seventies, early eighties, I wasn't even born, but yeah, I'm really excited about it and um long may continue. Yeah, that's true. Uh so another topic you put in the group chat was um GA manager swap. So if you could swap uh a GA manager for a manager in another sport, uh who would you be and who would you do and why? What you go for on that? Um, I'd be completely biased on this. I go with Jurgen Klopp for Kilkenny. Um, <laughs> yeah, I and just. Brian think... Cody go to Liverpool then or no? That's that's what I'm thinking. Uh, because <laughs> I I don't think it'd be a real. I don't want to say a real loss to both sides, but what I mean is, they're both kind of they're a good comparison between the two, Um so. I think Brian Cody would be able to work with the current Liverpool squad. They're pacey, they're exciting, and with Salah, the form he's in at the moment. And then Jurgen Klopp coming over and Kilkenny are kind of in a rebuilding phase with young, exciting players as well. And it'd be similar to when Jurgen Klopp came to Liverpool. Liverpool were at a really low ebb. Kilkenny aren't at a really low ebb at the moment, but still... He'd be good well, at low for Kilkenny, no? <laughs> oh yeah, well Kilkenny standard. I mean six six years, seven years without in all Ireland. Um famine. yeah, it's a real famine. But uh yeah, that'd be a comparison. Um I can't really think of another one. Um I say Davy Fitz to Manchester United. <laughs> Why is that? Why would that one work? I just think it'd be because I think he'd be the right. Now, you don't want to see Manchester United doing well, as uh, but if you're looking at it impartially or if you're a United fan, like he is able to bring success. I mean, he brought delivered the Leinster title to Wexford, the first one in what, about uh, 15, 14-15 year. And yeah. so I think he and then he got an all earned with Claire in 2013, their first since 1997. So I think that that would be a good one. Um, I can't really think of another one, maybe Conte to Dublin. Mm. I think Conte that is. I think that might be a good match. Um, um, trying to think of the Chelsea manager, Tuchel. Um, the yeah. Tuchel to Mayo. Uh, <laughs> I think that might be another good one. Sorry, they finally win a trophy for them or something. Yeah, that's my thinking on it. Um, so yeah, would no, Mar- Mourinho not be better? Mourinho be better going to Mayo because he always I, wins something with the team. Though I don't think so. I think it'd be too controversial. Maybe Mourinho to actually, I was going to say Mourinho to Kerry, but I say Mourinho to Cork. I think, Mourinho to Cork. Yeah, have a siege mentality down there, you know. Yeah, and I don't think like Mourinho can be kind of a controversial character at times, so I wouldn't think he'd be a great fit to me or Kerry, um, but maybe to Cork, um, but. Yeah, it's just mad ideas I had. Maybe Henry Shefflin to Arsenal. To Arsenal. <laughs> uh, poor, poor Henry. You don't that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it just shows how crazy my mind can run at times when I toss up that one. Yeah, no, some good, good options there. What would your picks be, Robbie? Uh, you'd have to bring in Zidane to Dublin. You know, he's the only one that can, you know, realistically command that dressing room and whip those, uh, the Dublin Galacticos into, into shape, you know? So he definitely will be big enough for the job and it's a massive job, you know? So I think, uh, you know, Zidane to go in there now, that would be really good. Um, 
trying to think of kind of some other ones now, but um, I suppose you could maybe Arsene Wenger maybe to Mayo would be a good one maybe because he had like you know so yeah. many so many painful years at Arsenal. You know maybe what's another few at Mayo like you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and then I'm just trying to think of like who who what what manager around the world would be you know good enough to take on Limerick in, in this point in time and. Um, who'd be big enough for the job, if you get me, because uh, obviously, you know, obviously, brilliant team at the minute, you know, so I think that would probably be the toughest one to try and appoint would be someone for Limerick, because, you know, who would be who would be good enough to go in and uh, command that dressing room and uh, get the respect of all those players, so I don't know, what do you think on that one? I'd say the only one that would really come to mind to be Jurgen Klopp, um, unless Tuchel at <laughs> Chelsea either. Tuchel at Chelsea either, um, like they got success. I mean, the the big danger is when you'd have, when you have a successful team, the likes of the way Kilkenny were at Dublin in the football and also Limerick currently in the hurling. Um, the danger is that things can be unstabilized. Um, so... That's a good one. Maybe, maybe Brendan Rogers. Oh, Liverpool connections here. <laughs> well, Brendan Rogers is currently Leicester manager, so maybe. Uh, I actually did think he was uh, very unlucky to be dismissed by Liverpool at the time. I think he done great work there, but um, taking the Liverpool by a side of it, I do have the height of respect for Brendan Rodgers. Maybe uh, I was going to say it'd be even worse, Steven Gerrard. So I shut me mouth before uh, I start getting myself or digging the hole any deeper here. Yeah, it's pretty deep. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. So it's November, obviously. So November internationals in the rugby. Um Ireland versus Japan is on tomorrow. I think it's on around two o'clock, so early enough sort of kick off. Um, Japan, dangerous team, like to throw the ball wide, like to get it wide and play a good, attractive brand of rugby. Um, obviously, we're thinking Ireland are going to win. Um, but I think Japan could uh, give us a bloody nose and show us how to really play a bit of rugby and get in plenty of offloads and stuff. Yeah, it's, it, the one worrying thing I would have uh, going in against Japan is the pace that they have. Um, now, in saying that, I kind of like the team that um, Andy Farrell's putting out tomorrow. It's kind of a, a right mix. Um, I'm delighted for Jonathan Sexton to be getting his 100 cap. And before anyone said I was a hypocrite calling for his replacement in the Six Nations, um, I think a game like this against Japan would be the right one. I do fancy Ireland to maybe win with a bit spare. I don't think Japan currently are hitting the heights that they did in the World Cup or the previous two World Cups where they defeated South Africa and Ireland along the way. But um, the real test for the Irish team at the moment is the All Blacks next, It's I think it's next Saturday as well. Um, so yeah. it'll be a matter of trying to integrate some of the, the younger players into it. Um, and yeah, I, I, I like the, the likes of um, Kaelin Doris. I think it's a big game for James Lowe. Um, he would have been disappointed from the Six Nations. Uh, Bundy Aki as well. Um, Dan Sheehan as well. All young, exciting players. And then, I mean, the likes of Conor Murray, Joey Carberry and Keith Earls there as well. Peter O'Manley as well. Tyke Furlong. Um, it's it's the right mix. And yeah, I kind of fancy... I can see Japan causing maybe some headaches, but I think Ireland might win, say, the likes of 35-18, 35-20, something like that. I can see it being a... A really, really close affair, but um, Japan might cause a few headaches. Yeah, could definitely do. And it's actually five years ago to the day that um, Ireland beat uh, the All Blacks for the first time in Soldier Field in uh, Chicago. So you know, just to, to mark the day, um, just trying to look at all the other internationals. Okay, so 
yeah, all the other games. So you got Wales and South Africa. That should be a good one, especially after the Lions surge. There's lots of uh, Welsh players, obviously, who went down to South Africa to play. And then France and Argentina. That will be uh, another offload fest, you imagine. Uh, will be some great rugby. And then Scotland and Australia. Now that, like, usually the Scotland-Australia games can be quite good as well. So you imagine the, the Wales-South Africa one is going to be a bit of an arm wrestle, but France, Argentina and Scotland and Australia, they could be uh, some potentially explosive games there. So uh, looking forward to them as well. Um, so just on the, the World Sports Roundup, uh, we kind of probably have a lot to cover uh, <laughs> over the last couple of weeks. But uh, Anthony, kind of stood out for you, Teach. I actually don't have any at the moment. I won't lie to you. Oh, yeah. No worries. No worries. Uh, yeah. Um, the, the only real kind of exciting one is, you know, Fallon Sherrock. Um, she was the first lady dart player to uh, win a match in the World Championship. She's after securing qualification for the World Championship um, coming up in December. Um, that would have been big news over the past couple of weeks. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited for um to see how she performed in the world championship this year. Um other than that, um the golf is kind of winding down a bit. Um I I won't lie to you, I didn't look as much at it over the past couple of weeks, so that's why I have no news on mm-hmm. that. But uh Fallon Sherrock qualifying again for the World Starts Championship, I think that'll be my highlight for the World Sports Roundup. Yeah, uh, fair play to her. Uh, obviously, we're kind of middle of the season, really, for uh, NFL regular season. So there's lots going on with the games and stuff like that. Uh, Cowboys had a good win last weekend, even without their first choice uh, quarterback. So that was um, it's kind of a big deal for them because everyone thought that they would be pretty useless without uh, Dak Prescott, but uh, they got the job done. And um, probably shocking story today is that Odell Beckham Jr., who's been you know probably one of the top receivers in the NFL for the last few years, but he's been plagued with injury. Um, he was on this team called the Cleveland Browns, and him and the quarterback just aren't really connecting for whatever reason. Um, they seem to play, or the Browns seem to play better when Odell Beckham isn't playing for some reason, even though he's such a great player. But um, a lot of them, a lot of people are saying it's just a pressure to get uh, this guy the ball the whole time, and okay. the fact that when he's not playing, the quarterback will kind of maybe go into a more natural kind of picking the best receiver. Um, so he's like a. a He's like a free agent now or something, so he's going to be snapped up pretty quickly. Um, and then another kind of tragic story um, was uh, Henry Ruggs. He's a Las Vegas Raiders player. He was involved in a drink driving incident that resulted in um, someone dying as well. So oh, it's quite tragic. Happened over the weekend, yeah. Um, so he's twice the legal limit and car crash, and obviously, you know, quite tragic situation there. Um, he was released from his football team, which is probably the least of his worries, really. But um, yeah, it's just just kind of a mad situation uh, for such a high-profile uh, sort of sports athlete. You imagine that just there would normally be a lot of guys on hand to look after these guys and make sure that, that you know obviously these things don't happen and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's a real, real kind of tragedy, anyway. And um, yeah, that's kind of all really jumping jumping at me for the NFL. Um, there was a little bit of beef with uh, Scotty Pippen and Michael Jordan. I don't know um, if you watched the Last Dance documentary, but Scotty Pippen was—he was kind of wasn't happy with the documentary and how it portrayed him, uh, and he kind of was kind of thinking that it didn't really show him in the best light in terms of like how good he was and that sort of stuff. Um, so there's a bit of a beef. Um, well, so it was not directly with Jordan, but he's kind of maybe taking shots. At the, at the documentary so indirectly taking shots at, at Michael Jordan you know so that's um, you know it's an interesting kind of story to follow as well uh, cool so we're going to move on to our high ball teach the high ball oh, high ball oh, this is actually this is a really good one uh, it's kind of like the, the Santa Claus one and uh, we're not going to go too uh, in depth with the Christmassy stuff uh, for the next few weeks but this is a good one it's um, if you could be Santa Claus um, but you'd have to leave behind all your friends and family. Um, so is it something that you would do? Um, or what would be your thinking on it? So you brought it up to you, so what do you think? Yeah. Do I get the right? <laughs> um, 
now the reason I thought of it is I'm a real Christmas freak and it's very odd time that I'm not in the mood for Christmas I won't lie to you so um I'd only do it if I could bring close family uh, with me um I just think it'd be too good an opportunity to turn down <laughs> but um yeah. it's a huge sacrifice to make but um yeah, it, like you would need, you would need a situation that you would be able to bring loved ones with your partner or uh, a girlfriend, wife or whatever with you. Um, but sure, you need Mrs. Claus thrown into the, the the deal, no? Well, if they weren't, you definitely miss the clause. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, the clause for yeah, but um. Yeah, no, it's like I was saying, it was just watching Christmas films and it just popped into my head. But I think um, it would be a real sacrifice. It'd be like you wouldn't be massively over pressure because you'd be basically only working hard one day a year. So uh, and you wouldn't want for anything. But uh, yeah, I'd say it'd be a really big sacrifice now. Yeah, we'd have to miss out on a lot of hurling games as well. Would you be able to get uh, RT in uh, the North Pole, do you think? Oh, magic, magic. You'd be able to get everything. <laughs> <laughs> Sees yeah, yeah. you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. Like so. Uh... <laughs> yeah, so he'd just be watching you watching the, the GA or something. Exactly, exactly. And if um, if your team wasn't doing well, they'd get a lump of coal in their stocking. <laughs> Yeah, let's say for the, the manager or the players or whatever, start themselves out. Yeah, I'd, I, I definitely couldn't do it if I didn't have family and stuff. But, yeah, it would be pretty cool to be, you know, be Santa Claus, you know, just uh, going around the world. And this was like for most of the year, you're just kind of chilling out, really. You're not, no one really cares about you and you're just doing your own thing, having a bit of crack. And um, then you like work mad, like mad for a few months of the year and uh, get to do a bit of magic, uh, eat all the, the cookies and drink all the whiskey you want. So that's, um, it sounds like a good deal, to be fair. Yeah, no, the one thing about it is the one thing I'm just putting this on a personal level at the moment, I wouldn't be able to deal with a big belly again. <laughs> no, no, no way, no way. <laughs> no, that, well, if you're kind of magic, maybe you could kind of magic it away, maybe possibly, but then it's, it's, it's part of the Santa Claus persona, though. So I don't know exactly if you look at the Santa Claus's films, it comes on uh magically and. Another thing I can't do is I can't deal with a beard. It's just, I, you know, you oh, know all the photos I put into the group, even with Movember last year, I couldn't wait till it was over. So, uh, um, And you just need to get past the, the initial, the, you need to get past the itchy stage, basically. You know what I mean? Anyway, like, and like there's an awkward stage with a beard as well. So like the early, you know, if you, unless you've had a proper beard, you don't really, really know what it's like, you know, but um. I'll let you away with that one, Teach, because you, you just don't know what you don't know, basically. But uh, yeah, beards rock, man. Yeah, I know. I can't disagree, but I just don't think they're for me. They're just <laughs> not, not for, you. for me. No, no, no. Even though I got a, <laughs> I got a really bad uh, remark made to me the other day. It was actually on a, um, one of the apps, dating apps, and I got told I look older than I look, so maybe it's a situation I have to... Uh, grow a beard to cover up that. Beard, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I think you know, the beard, beards are all the rage now. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, I suppose it depends on the, the ladies. Some of them like the, the clean shaven look, or like the the beard and stuff. You know, so. Yeah, I know definitely. Um, I actually most of the the work that I worked in, I couldn't actually grow a beard because um you know, yourself, financial services, you have to be nearly always clean shaven. So that was one of the obstacles. So maybe, maybe down the line when I'm my own boss, I might be able to do it properly. Grow on. Yeah. 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 There's actually, um, I think we're just not to dig into kind of beard stuff too much, but um, I think it goes back to like the, either the first or the second world war that you had to be clean shaven in the army for your, like if you had to put on a gas mask or something like that. So that's why it kind of became real trendy, if you know what I mean. So, like, probably previous yeah. to that, people would have had beards and stuff. But um, they had to, I think it was definitely for Second World War, they had to shave the beards um, because they couldn't put on the, the the face mask, which seems a bit crazy now because everyone's wearing face masks and stuff. But, um, yeah, and so that that's what it kind of goes back to. And, you know, 
you know, I'm all for lots of people have, everyone should have a beard in my opinion. So just to throw it out there. Yeah, I know there's actually, an, there's, um, the you know, guards aren't allowed. Um, it's very few guards that you see with beards. I think there's a rule that you're not allowed, that you have to be clean shaven as well. And there's actually, definitely, I seen a guard actually last week that had a beard. And I was like, geez, you don't really see that that often. But it was kind of, it was very trim. Like it wasn't like, you know, jumping yeah. off his face. It was like real, like, you know, you, you could just, you just had a bit of a beard, like, you know, but it wasn't like, you know, growing out massively, if you know what I mean. But uh, there's obviously a certain style that you can have if, you, if you're a guard. Yeah, I know definitely it'd be the same for all, you could say, public service operations that way. But uh, yeah, no, it's still... Even that comment I was saying made, that was made to me, I laughed it off. It still wouldn't encourage me to grow a beard at the moment. I won't like, yeah. but <laughs> I can't disagree. Maybe they are, maybe they are the missing link, but no, not for me at the moment. No, I don't know. No worries. Uh, cool. So we'll uh, leave there to you. So uh, good chat as always, man. Good chat to you. Yeah, I know. A pleasure as always, Robbie. And it was great chats. And yeah, look forward to next week again. Yeah, cool. And uh, if you want to follow us, you can catch us on Facebook, Instagram. You can follow us on uh, Spotify as well, so you don't miss an episode. Um, check out the link in our bio on our Instagram for our latest episodes. And uh, and also, I'll be getting back to putting stuff on our Instagram for a story and stuff, getting back to doing that stuff again. And um, yeah, cool. Obviously, uh, like, follow and share all our episodes. That would be great. And uh, have a good one, Teach. Yeah, same to you, Robbie. Take care. Chat to you all next week. Good luck. Good luck. Good luck.